0: Good morning. My name is Wendy Guthrie, and I am the education minister here at Canoe Creek, and this is my good friend, Gail McGugan. Good morning. (laughs) Gail and I are going to spend a few minutes talking this morning because I want to get some more details about the story that she told us on the video, and I'm inviting you to listen in, okay? All right, Gail, let's have a seat. So before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: I, um, as you see, I had an interesting introduction to Christianity. Um, (coughs) And as you saw, as a young woman, I thought I was going to be Mary Martin and Ethel Merman and Debbie Reynolds all rolled into one. Uh, I had danced for 47 years of my life, but the Lord always had another plan for me. And uh, He, when I stopped dancing, when I could put my leg up on the ballet bar and had trouble getting it down, uh, he put me in another direction. And I thought I would miss the dancing, but I missed the children. And so I had an opportunity to go to school and became a teacher. I'm a late bloomer at the age of 56. <laughs> uh, And and here I am today talking to you and very humbled.
0: (laughs) So, Gail, about how long have you been a part of Canoe Creek?
1: Well, I started coming to the church when it was at the school. Mm -hmm. And so we figure about 13 years. Okay.
0: And what are some of the ministries that you've been involved in while you've been here? (laughs) I was
1: trying to remember. (laughs) I did have a small group at my home. Uh, I was a prayer partner uh, after, during the, or after the services. I uh, was in charge of preparing communion, and I baked your wafers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but my latest job is probably one of the most fulfilling because I become, Sunday morning when I'm here, the most popular person because I'm the candy lady.
0: <laughs> that is a very important job. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so tell us a little bit about your grandmother. Oh,
1: th- this. <sighs> My grandfather came from Trevigna, Italy, as a very young man, and when he became established in a suburb of Chicago, it's only 12 miles out of the city. But at that time, it was a farming community. And he wanted a bride from his province. And he knew, f- the story goes, that he knew a family who knew a family who knew her. <laughs> and she had, a, she had a very difficult life there. Uh, if you can imagine picking up rocks and fields to build fences. <laughs> uh, but she came here, not on a cruise ship, but to marry a man that she didn't know. And uh, that gives us an insight into the strength and mm-hmm. the determination and into her faith. Uh, she had um, 15 present pregnancies and 12, she raised 12 children. <laughs> so you can imagine how many of us there are on earth today, (laughs) in fact, some are here tonight, or today. Uh, She obviously had a very strong faith, and it wasn't a faith that I understand was spoken a lot, but as you saw in the film, it's a faith that resonated in her actions,
0: in Mm -hmm. her life, and in her love. Would that all of us could say that? I'm sorry. I said it'd be nice if all of us could say oh, that my. our faith resonates in our actions. Oh, my. So how did she get connected with the people at First Baptist?
1: Well, I remember my father talking about a Mr. Herd mm-hmm. that was a valued... Uh, see, they lived in town, but they farmed outside of town. And uh, Mr. Hurd was just a valuable... Uh, help in their lives, he was Mm -hmm. an employee, and evidently he needed a home, and so my grandmother provided a home for him, Mm. and he was evidently a member of this new congregation that could not find a place to worship. Nobody would rent them uh, any space. Mm. But I would really have liked to, been a mouse in the corner, when she was discussing this with her family because it was not a popular thing to do and it took a lot of love and courage.
0: Yeah, so when she made that decision to let this congregation meet in the storefront there of the home, do you think it even crossed her mind the impact that this was going to have on the people of this congregation from generation to generation?
1: I chuckle at that question. <laughs> uh, can you imagine raising 12 <clears throat> children and uh, working on the farm and cooking all the meals? And they used to talk about her making her own uh, tomato paste. Mm. And, uh, no, I don't think she. it ever entered her mind. I think she did what she felt was right that she showed over time a mm-hmm. deep love that grew. She didn't just give them a place mm-hmm. and walk away. She, she evidently showed them this love that we hope that we can show and mm-hmm. receive.
0: Yeah. So as, as you and yeah. I have talked about this story over the last several months, the word that comes to my mind is legacy your grandmother left a legacy for your family. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Do you think she would think the same thing? Do you think she would have considered this a legacy?
1: Well, she would have happened to live after 1938. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the only... The way that she thought of her legacy was the way she raised her children, to raise their children. And this uh, was reflected in that that love and that courage. The stories, sometime when we sit down, I'll have to tell you some of the stories <laughs> that have come through the ants. But she was quite a gal.
0: <laughs> so we heard in the... Video that this church has been praying for your family about 84 years mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Other than what you shared in the video, how have their prayers impacted your life and impacted your family?
1: First of all, um, they were. Uh, guideline Hmm. maybe to uh, my going from death to life which is the the most important Mm -hmm. thing that happened. Uh, It started me on a journey but it also affected my mother's life which was Mm -hmm. the generation before Mm -hmm. and my mother was a dear sweet talented woman and when she lost Both of her parents, uh, she developed an addiction. Mm -hmm. And uh, after suffering with that for some time, uh, one day I was talking to her on the phone, and I said, well, Mom, you know, I, I don't know what else to do. And I went out to pray with her, and I said, now, what do you want? And she said, I want Jesus to be able to use me. Hmm. And he healed her that day. Hmm. And she lived in a a, a trailer park. And uh, when she passed away, the number of people that came and told me hmm. what she had done for them in, in hmm. prayer and friendship, she had her own little ministry out there.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, so I've seen it before me. Mm-hmm. And now with my family that... As busy as all you know have been raising children and seeing the grandchildren. Uh, but I see their faith mm-hmm. holding strong in their works in action. And I can't wait to live long enough hmm. to see how they turn out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so your mother was a woman of prayer. And I know that you are a woman of prayer. Uh, and I know a good part of that comes from your love of John chapter 17. Mm -hmm. So talk to us for just a minute about what that prayer of Jesus has meant to you. Oh my. Um,
1: As important as the prayers of that church uh, have been over the generations, uh, when I read John 17 and I see my Savior praying and how he reveals his his being to us mm-hmm. to return to the glory he had and how he prayed for his apostles who were going to pass the word to us. But the longest prayer was for those of us to come after the generation, the thousands of years of mm-hmm. generations. And he revealed his relationship with the Father in being one. He called us to be one with Him individually. Mm-hmm. And then He calls us to be one together as a congregation. Mm-hmm. And all for the purpose of not happiness, <laughs> but that we will draw others to Him. Yeah, And that's what that video through my grandmother showed. But more importantly, it was... In answer to Jesus' prayer mm-hmm. for us.
0: Yeah. So what are some times in your life where you have seen God answering your prayers, whether the answer was yes, Gail, or whether the answer was no, Gail?
1: Uh, I knew she was going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, we, we tend to sometimes throw out a fleece, I guess it's called, and we put conditions. I'm asking for this, but if it's not in your will, you tell me. And so uh, I was going to North Carolina to sign papers to purchase a cabin. And on the way there, in, in the stage that I was, I said, if you don't want it, just don't have the man be there. So, I got to the closing on the property, and I walked in and sat down. The first thing they said to me was that and I don't remember his name couldn't be there that day and You know my response was, "Oh, surely he didn't mean that <laughs> well, he did and years later, uh, when I became a teacher uh, i was I had in my mind that I was going to be in a certain school, and the Opportunity came up when I was in my internship, and uh, my principal at the time didn't want to release me to go to the other school. And finally, he went out of town. So I went to the school because I knew he would do it if I coaxed him. And uh, so didn't I throw out another fleece, and I said, well, Lord, I don't understand the confusion, but the only way that I wouldn't move is if the numbers weren't right. And I sat down in the chair and the secretary walked right in front of me and looked at me and she said, has anybody told you that the numbers have changed? (laughs) I did not say, surely he didn't mean that.
0: (laughs) So you learned your lesson. I learned my (laughs) lesson.
1: I've also learned, be careful what you ask him for.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So before we close up, Gail, Anything else you want to tell us um, as, you, as you have been contemplating this letter from your grandmother and how this story has come kind of full circle? What are, what are some of the reflections that you've had?
1: Uh, of course, one is the power of prayer, mm-hmm. but the other is the power of, um, of the word. And I know that there are a lot of young people uh, well, for instance, I was sitting next to a, a a young friend, and she said to me, "Are you glad that you uh, have memorized scripture?" And I said, "No, I'm sorry I didn't memorize more hmm. because when you get on in life, the most powerful prayers are those prayers that come from the word." Hmm. And um, but look, look what's happened with my grandmother and her courage in that church that still exists, mm-hmm. and the relationship. when I went there, they treated me with such love, there was no color.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We were fellow brothers and sisters in mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. And um, anything he calls us as a congregation. Uh, to come to him one-on-one but then as bonded through faith because we can see the power that that has <laughs> and, and I'll close in okay. I, I tend to ramble <laughs> <laughs> there's a song and you're gonna have to help me now <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> together we remembered all the words it only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around are warming and it's glowing. That's how it is with God's love. Once we experience him.
0: It's... I can't remember that part, a, but then the next one... It's like... Fresh like spring. Spring,
1: you want to sing. You want to carry on.
0: Yeah, pass it and on. And it's
1: that that spark that comes from the kindling of the fire of his love yeah
0: well we thank you for sharing this beautiful love story thank you for having with me. us um, it inspires me every time I've watched this video mm-hmm. it has inspired me even more it has challenged me in my walk of faith and I'm sure it's challenged other people here today so thank you so much well, thank you So earlier this morning, Gail said this, she said, I would pray that we all have that understanding of the deep spirit love that was powered through the actions of her grandmother through to this church and through the prayers of the church to her family, that deep spirit love. That's it in a nutshell. That's why we're here this morning. That's why we bring our children and our grandchildren. It's why we invite our friends and our neighbors. We believe the truths that we have heard this morning, both in song and in the testimony of Gail. We know that God is great and that he keeps his promises. We know that he cares about our problems and that he listens to our prayers. We gather here every Sunday morning and other times during the week to learn how to live this life in the kingdom better. How to live our lives in such a way that we are drawing other people to Christ. We spend quiet time listening to God's voice and then we allow God's spirit to work through us to share that deep love with other people. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. This is also the message that we have for others if we are disciples of Christ. Our lives say, follow my example because I'm following Christ. Last week, Carrie shared with us some principles for passing on the baton of faith to the next generation. I think some of those principles are very applicable to what we've been talking about this morning, how our faith and how our prayers also affect future generations. First of all, we need a relationship with God. I'm not just talking about a belief in God, because that's pretty easy. I'm talking about a relationship where God is your dearest confidant. A relationship where you talk to him on a regular basis, just like you talk to your best friend or a close family member. A relationship that involves a conversation, not a list of here's what I need for you to do for me today, God, but a bearing of our souls. Here's where I'm struggling, God. Here's what I don't understand about life, God. Here's what I want to be more of as I study your word. Those kinds of relations, those kinds of conversations. And then stopping to listen for his response. Another principle we can follow is that we need to be people of prayer. Not just praying at mealtime but praying on a regular basis so that folks know us as a person of prayer. I know my friend Gail as a person of prayer. And I don't know that because we have a casual acquaintance with each other. I know that because we have a relationship with each other. And in the years that I have known Gail, I have seen prayer working in her life. I have seen how very deeply she relies on God. I wouldn't have known that if I didn't have a relationship with Gail. And so in addition to having a relationship with God, we need to have relationships with each other. We need to be connected with each other, sharing life with each other so that God's spirit is able to move through us. About 30 years ago, my husband and I served in a church in Suffolk, Virginia there was a dear saint who was in a nursing home and we would go to visit her. And every time we were there, she would say, I've been praying for you. And then she would look up on the ceiling and she'd point and she'd say, there's your name right there. She was bedridden. All she could do was lie in her bed and look at her ceiling. But she prayed for people. I always left those conversations, feeling so encouraged because I knew Miss Ann had my back in prayer. And finally, prayer is a great way for us to cheer each other on, particularly those people we've shared our faith with. I'm in a prayer group on Facebook for a friend who's had a rough time the last couple of years. Every week, one or two people post prayers in this group, and they're not, as you would imagine, prayers of, oh, we're praying for your healing. Oh, we're praying that everything's going to be okay. These are prayers of encouragement. These are prayers of, I'm walking with you in this journey. These are prayers that help my friend know she's not alone. We can follow all of these principles that I've mentioned this morning with the absolute assurance that we're not just doing this for ourselves. If you haven't heard anything else this morning, I hope you have heard the reality that our service, our faith, our prayers, our commitment to Christ live on long after we're gone. They impact generation after generation after generation. Let's pray.